People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Hello and welcome back. We've had a bit of time away from Premier League Insights, but we're delighted to be back and looking forward to some Premier League action this weekend. Back again to help us find value in the markets for the upcoming matches is Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal. Hello, Jake. Hi, Ben. Yeah, looking forward to getting started again. Love the domestic football, not a big fan of international football, so let's get cracking. There we go. Not long to wait. First up, we've got Everton versus West Ham, and these are they're two teams that are having very different seasons, and I think not in the way that most people will think. Everton, they've had a lot of close games where they've won unexpected goals, but they haven't really got the right result. And then West Ham, I mean, they've had a lot of poor performances defensively, but they've still managed to pick up a few points. So in terms of league positions, we've got Everton, they're the ones in the bottom three. West Ham, I think they're 7th, 8th, ninth, somewhere around there. Um, but based on expected points, those two should really be swapping places. So do you think this would be the point where we begin to see these results of the two teams kind of more accurately reflect their performances? You'd hope so from an Everton perspective, yeah. But um, obviously from a West Ham perspective, you're hoping that they continue to overperform. Um, from an Infogol point of view, this is one of the bigger mismatches um, of the weekend, according to our expected goals table. So currently Everton sitting fifth on XG, uh, West Ham down in 18th. So third worst team on expected goals this season um, sorry Ben but yeah the Everton have, have, have been one of the more unlucky teams uh, according to expected goals this season it's definitely not all doom and gloom um, although they do sit in the in the bottom three and be, the, the, way, the part of the field that they've been really struggling is, is being in attack they've, they've scored just six goals but they've created um, chances equating to 12 and a half expected goals so you know, the lack of clinical finishing has, has really cost them in games. Um, and that was proof of the pudding against Burnley last time out. Um, lost 1-0 in what is, can only be described as a Burnley-esque performance, uh, where Burnley managed to create barely anything and, and get the win. Everton missed a few good chances in that one and were, were unfortunate not to get at least a point. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're a potent attacking threat. They're creating good chances. They're averaging 1.56 expected goals for per game. So, they're getting the ball in the right areas of the field. They're just not taking advantage. And sooner or later, regression will kick in and they will start scoring goals uh, at a rate that we would expect. And as for West Ham, like I mentioned, that they sit in the bottom three of our XG table. They've um, overperformed defensively, allowing five goals fewer than would be expected. They're currently averaging up and around two expected goals against per game, which is quite a, you know an extraordinary number. And, and they, they allowed that against Crystal Palace in the last game where the you know they were short shortish favourites to win that game and deservedly lost according to expected goals. So yeah, like I said, this is one of the bigger mismatches. So it's no surprise that we've we see a lot of value in backing Everton to win this game. We've got them around fifty six percent chance of getting the win compared to around fifty percent on the market. Um also a small amount of value in backing over two and a half goals between two well, two decent attacking sides. Yeah, I mean, can't really argue with that. Being a West Ham fan, as much as I'd like to, they're, I think, ever than a deserved favourites on the markets for this one. We've now got Aston Villa versus Brighton, and it's two surprising results for these two teams in game week eight. And I mean, surprisingly positive. Brighton obviously beat Tottenham 3-0 at home, and Villa beat Norwich 5-1 away. 
both teams actually deserved the win. I think the the scoreline probably flattened Villa a little bit. Um, I know you were big on Brighton at the start of the season and the impact that Graham Potter could be could have. And I have to say he's, he is doing a good job. They look like they're they're going to be an ent- entertaining side, and they they probably deserve to be a little bit higher up the table than where they actually are. Um, Villa, on the other on the other hand, have been a they've been pretty inconsistent. The, the, their current position seems to be fair based on their underlying performances. The odds suggest in this one that home advantage could be enough to get Villa the win here, but does InfoGoal agree? Uh, we, we've got them as slight favourites, yeah, but there's no value in backing Villa to get the win. We're um, 36% chance of a Villa win, 34% of a Brighton win on the 1x2. So, that, again, like like you said, it's, it's just home advantage, really, that's that's swinging this one in, slightly in Villa's favour. You mentioned that they're slightly flattered to to win so comfortably against uh, Norwich last week, uh, last week, last time against Norwich. Um, again, allowing a huge amount of good chances, including a couple of defensive errors, one which obviously led to to Norwich's only goal. So while they did win what I called an early season six-pointer and put in their best attacking display of the season, defensively they were, again, looking very vulnerable. They're allowing two expected goals against per game, similar to West Ham that we spoke about in the previous game. Uh, so they are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And, you know, we look... Brighton were exceptional against Tottenham and if they could pull Tottenham apart um, I'm pretty sure they can do the same to Aston Villa they were mightily impressive in that game were Graham Potter's side I mean, limiting Spurs to just 0.4 expected goals and racking up over two expected goals that is a, a really good performance and you know really impressed with the way that they managed the game as well they were the high press they kept the ball really well got the ball into good scoring chances and, and they you know they took their opportunities very well is that the kickstart that Brighton needed? I mean, we spoke previously about how unfortunate Brighton had been in, in games up to that point. You know, after that game against Tottenham, they rank as the sixth best team on expected goals. So you know, they, they shouldn't be written off by any stretch of the imagination by anyone because they are a team that are playing really well with a really solid process. Um, Aston Villa fans may be in for a bit of a shock in this game. I'm, I'm, I'm fancying Brighton to keep a lot of the ball, keep things nice and tight, um, control the game not let Villa play. So, you know, I, I, I don't think Villa will get the win here. I think Brighton will be uh, have a really good chance of following that Spurs win up. But um, we've, seen, we've spotted quite a bit of value in the unders market, under 2.5 goals. In goals, around a 62% chance um, of under 2.5 compared to around the 52 that's available on the market. I think that would be a, a low-scoring game, like I said, with Brighton dominating football. Yeah, you often see some of that recency bias in, in the behaviour of betters, don't you? And I mean... Brighton going in at thirty-two percent. You wonder how much of that is the 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 Tottenham result hangover coming into it, and the impact that could potentially have. But we'll have to wait and see. Next, we've got Bournemouth versus Norwich, and I've been quite open on this podcast about the fact that I'm an admirer of Bournemouth simply because you know what you're going to get. They've scored plenty of goals. They've conceded plenty. I think their expected goals numbers tell a tell a pretty similar story. Norwich have got the poorest defence in the league, I think based both on goals and expected goals. Um, the start of the season was all about Timo Pukki. They then had that win against Manchester City. But, I mean, it really looks like they're going to struggle this season. So, Norwich have done, they've done a little bit better than a lot of teams in terms of their attacking process. Already said about how poor they are at the back. So, I mean, there there is potential there for them to cause Bournemouth problems. On paper, it looks like it could be a goal fest. Does Info Goal agree with that? Yes and no. Um, the percentage chance that we're given of, of plenty of goals is around 60%, so 62% of over two and a half, 60% of both teams to score. 
But what's available on the market is extraordinarily short for over two and a half and both teams to score. You're looking at around 70% on both. So there's no value in backing goals here. And, you know, it, it's a similar story to when Norwich played, um, who was it the other week? Uh, Burnley. When Norwich played away at Burnley and both teams to score and over two and a half were, you know, huge fantasies by many, around 65%. And we, although we had a greater chance of over two and a half goals than under two and a half goals, the, the value just wasn't there. And that's the same in this game. If anything, I'd be looking at perhaps opposing both teams to score um, just purely based on, on value that, that, that you know the, the market seems to be way too short um, on both the overs and both teams to score. You mentioned Bournemouth being a really strong attacking force. So I, I was hugely surprised to see them rack up only 0.8 against um, expected goals against Arsenal in the last game. You know, an Arsenal team that are conceding a lot of good chances and Bournemouth really didn't test them and you know, ultimately deserved to lose based on on the fact that um, Arsenal controlled the game. Um, you mentioned that, you know, especially at home, they are a really strong attacking force. They were unlucky against West Ham in the previous home game, racking up over two expected goals, got a win against Everton, and they're, they're averaging 1.89 expected goals for in, in front of their own fans. Um, I'm fully expecting them to score against this vulnerable Norwich team that are averaging 2.28 expected goals against per game, which is, like you said, the le- is the highest in the league, the worst defence in the league. Um, so that, yeah, I, I can't see Norwich getting some from this game. They, they look really bereft of ideas and bereft of confidence after what was um, a pretty decent start. You know, three successive defeats, and they've all been fully deserved defeats against Burnley, Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. And you could argue that Bournemouth are probably slightly better than all three of those teams, especially in attack. So we've got a small amount of value uh, in Bournemouth getting the win, we're around 55%. Uh, the market's around 52 53%. So Bournemouth to get the win in this one. But like I said beforehand, uh, if anything, uh, oppose both teams to score in this one as well. Yeah, as you said, I mean, the standard goal market is normally 2.5 or 2.5 and 3 on a split split over-under. But even here, we're seeing it pumped right up to 3.5 because, as you said, I mean, it's it's... Normally, the kind of mark you'd see if it was like Manchester City or Liverpool in a one-sided game. I think in this case, it's just there's going to be goals, but it could be from anywhere. Chelsea versus Newcastle is our next game. I think Chelsea had a, a little bit of a dodgy start, but they're beginning to find their feet and looking like one of the strongest contenders for the top four, obviously outside Liverpool and Manchester City. They beat Southampton in the last fixture. It, it wasn't a 4-1 type of performance, but it is another game where they're, they're looking good, at, good in attack, but not particularly solid at the back. Um, Newcastle are obviously coming off the back of a big win against Manchester United. Um, I don't think those wins against United carry the weight that they once did anymore, but we can, we can get onto that in a little bit. Newcastle was still perhaps a bit fortunate to get that win and it's hard to think of many performances this season where they've they've really kind of done anything more than having them outside of a, a relegation contender. So no surprise to see the market big on Chelsea. I'm, I'm guessing InfoGoal favours the home team as well, but is there any value in the market? Uh, definitely not in the 1x2 market now. InfoGoal's around 60% chance of a Chelsea win compared to 74-75 on the market. So zero value in backing a home win. Um, and that's purely based on the fact that we're still getting to grips with uh, with what Chelsea are offering in terms of expected goal numbers. Um, like you said, they were flattered to get um, to win so comfortably against Southampton. It was a 4-1 win, 1.69 expected goals Chelsea created. So they were extremely clinical, and that's something that we're seeing um, more and more from this Chelsea side, especially you know, the likes of Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, who are 
uh, taking the chances whenever they drop to him. Uh, Frank Lampard's team are very, very good going forward. They are creating over two expected goals per game this season. Most of that came, well, 3.87 against Brighton in the last home game is probably a good indicator of what to expect in this game against Newcastle. Yeah, it's hard to make a case for Newcastle. I mean, I was looking at the XG numbers beforehand and they are bottom of the pile on our expected goals table. They're the worst attacking team in the league by a country mile. They're generating just 0.74 expected goals per game, which is extraordinarily low. The only light, the only sort of caveat to that is the fact that they have had such a tough schedule to start the season. I mean, what, we eight games in and they've already played you know, Leicester, they've played Arsenal, they've played Tottenham, they've played Liverpool, they've played Manchester United. So that's five of last season's top eight already got out of the way and they, you know the, the games against teams you'd expect to be in and around them the Brightons Watfords and Norwich uh, you know they picked up two points from those so if you look at the start of the season they've actually done what we'd expect from them in terms of points but based on expected points they are the worst team in the league right now so we're not giving them too much of a chance of getting the win and instead we're looking at backing both teams to score no purely based on the fact that Newcastle's attacking process is the worst in the league. Um, and we have started to see a few you know, signs of improvement from Chelsea, defensively anyway. I mean, the limited Liverpool to just 1.08 and they played at Stamford Bridge. 0.79 against Brighton. Uh, if you include the Champions League, it was 0.93 against Lille. Uh, 1.31 against Southampton. So it's starting to take shape now, this Chelsea defence. We're starting, starting to settle down a little bit. <clears throat> Beforehand, Lampard was doing a little bit chopping and changing, bringing in different players. He looks a bit more settled now on, on uh, his back four or back five or however he wants to set up. So, um, yeah, we're expecting a Chelsea win and a shutout in this one. Yeah, as you said, clean sheets have been few and far between for Chelsea this season. It, it kind of feels like that's maybe the, the missing piece of the puzzle that they need to really kind of kick on and solidify those top four aspirations. So we've got now we've got Leicester versus Burnley and Leicester... I mean, there was a lot of hype about them before the season. They have looked pretty good this season. I think we said a couple of times that potentially that difficult start has, has hindered our view of what they can offer in attack. Um, they've been very solid at the back. The game against Liverpool was another example of that. And I mean, they, they kind of gave away quite a few chances, to be fair, and, and didn't really create much. And it's it's the evidence seems to be mounting up in there. They're struggling to produce high-quality chances. And they're... It's an interesting one this week because they're playing a team that are likely to give away quite a few chances. But Burnley, they seem to have this knack of giving away those chances but not conceding too many goals. And their win against Everton encapsulated that. It's like they're, I don't know what they're doing to the expected goals model, but they're kind of ramming a fork in any model and just kind of completely going against whatever the numbers put out. And they've, they've been doing that for quite a while now. So does InfoGoal think Burnley's tactical approach will help them here or, or are Leicester worth the respect that they're getting in the market? Definitely definitely the former. Um, like you said, they're really short for this game, Leicester. 64%, 65% on the market. And InfoGoal's got them around 51 So there is, from our point of view anyway, no value in backing Leicester in the 1x2. You mentioned Burnley um, and Sean Dyche, who has a, he's got a hoodoo over XG. Uh, pretty much every season they overperform their expected goals. Um, you know, at the start of this season they've actually performed pretty much in line with what we'd expect um, as a whole. Obviously, they had the fortunate win over Everton that we've already spoke about, 
But if you look further back, they had a they were unfortunate not to beat Arsenal, for example. So it's sort of levelled out um, throughout the season so far, and we're only eight games in. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned with Leicester, the attacking process has been what's what's been most disappointing from them this season. The last game against Liverpool, um, I'm not going to let anyone tell me that they were for, unfortunate not to get at least a point because if any game that you rack up just 0.1 expected goals, you you know you should be losing that game. Thankfully, you know, for from an XG point of view, Liverpool rightly got the win, although it was a, a late penalty. Uh, Liverpool racked up 3.67 expected goals to Leicester's 0.1. So there's absolutely Leicester can have no qualms about that uh, result at all. It was their worst performance of the season to date, um, albeit probably against the best team they've played this season. But yeah, like you mentioned, the, the attacking process has been really, really poor. And, you know, would it be surprising if I said to you that Leicester, where do they sit in the table? Fourth in the table. They've actually got a negative expected goal difference at this stage of the season, which is, um, yeah, it's quite staggering, really, because everyone's obviously on the on the Leicester hype and the Leicester bandwagon. But according to underlying numbers, they've actually been pretty average, uh, really. Um, generating just 1.08 expected goals for per game. When you think of the players that they've got, Madison, Vardy, Jose Perez, um, Harvey Barnes, and you'd expect them to be much more creative and generate more opportunities on a regular basis. Defensively, they've looked solid. You know, they've averaged just 1.15 expected goals against. Um, I've been impressed by the the centre half Siunku's coming to replace Maguire. Looks like a like for like switch. And you know, defensively, they've they've looked really solid. But they really need to step up their attacking game if they are to seriously mount a challenge for a top four or top six space. Burnley. Uh, an interesting stat for them, which you know I think is a really good indicator of where Burnley are at, is that they are unbeaten against teams that they've played so far this season that finished outside the top six last season. So their only two defeats have come against Liverpool and Arsenal. Everyone else they've either drawn or beaten. So a really tough team to to beat. Sean Dyche, as always, has them very well organised, and they're allowing just 1.29 expected goals against per game. So you know they're, they're not the uh, the poor defensive side that we've seen from some points of, uh, of you know, in Sean Dyche's tenure. But <clears throat> they offer a really strong attacking threat also. Um, and Leicester need to be really careful in this game. You know, they, they had almost a free ride in the last home game against Newcastle. Obviously, going down to 10 men, Newcastle, and then it was just a, uh, a firing squad almost of someone you know taking it in turns, having to show up. I don't think it was the same in this match. Leicester need to be really careful. I think Burnley offer a really good threat on the counter-attacking. Uh, Based on what we've seen from Leicester so far attacking, I think they'll struggle to break down Burnley. You know, this game could sell perfectly for Burnley. You know that we know that we like a, a deep block, uh, a tight back four, and I think Leicester will struggle. So we found a little bit of value in under 2.5 goals in this game. We're around 56, 55%, and the market's around 54. So not expecting fireworks at the King Power. Yeah, it's crazy when you look at expected goals for, and I mean Leicester really really struggling so that's that's got to turn around soon if they're going to kind of maintain where they are in the league I guess right so we'll move on to Tottenham versus Watford and Tottenham don't think much needs to be said that they're having a torrid time of it at the moment hovering around mid-table it seems to be a a fair reflection of their performances so far this season you have to say we're not even talking about eight games this season that's a, a run that stretches back to to really the start of this year and I think if you if you look past that Champions League run, there's there's really some cracks appearing there that need to get addressed. And 
I guess if you want to get your season back on track, your best bet is to to play against a team rock bottom of the table, and that's who Tottenham have got in Watford. Um, what they've had a couple of really poor performances, Watford, but they've also had some fairly decent ones where they haven't really got what they deserve. And I think the nil nil draw against Sheffield United is another good example of that. So. The betting market still has faith in Tottenham to get the win here, despite everything that's going on. And does Infogol agree with that? Yeah, we've got Tottenham as strong favourites, uh, not as strong as the market. We're sixty percent. The market's around sixty-seven. Uh, you know, they're coming off the back of a humiliating week, wasn't it? Really, seven-two against Bayern Munich, three-nil against Brighton. Obviously, the performance against Brighton was much worse than the game, than the performance against Bayern Munich uh, in the Champions League. The, you know the Pochettino is under some serious pressure. He really is. You know, it's not just the fact that their results are bad. The performances have been terrible. Also, based on expected goals, they sit 13th in the expected goals table. So, you know, they're performing like a bottom half team right now, um, and they've got a, you know, quite a, a strong negative uh, expected goal difference. So the poor performances have been justified by poor results. So they're getting the results that they deserve. Um, and at, towards the back end of last season, like you mentioned, they were struggling, they were playing poorly, but they were grinding out wins when they arguably shouldn't have been. So this is just carried on from last season. Um and their process is yeah, from seventeen, eighteen season where they were one of the best teams in the league, it's just slowly deteriorated you know, over the last season and a bit. And they really look like a, a shadow of the former selves. They're creating just one point three expected goals for per game, which is ext- extremely low. You know, it made the the, the point with Leicester listed all the attacking players that they've got. That's the same for Tottenham. You know, you've got Kane, you've got Son, Eriksen, Lamella, and you just think, how are they, how are they creating so little um, in attack? And obviously, they, they continue to look vulnerable defensively. Um, like you said, fortunately for them, they are playing the team bottom of the league without a win. However, Watford will probably view this as a free hit. You know, they're not expected to go to Tottenham and get a win. If they get a point, it's a good result. Um but you just don't know what you're going to get with Watford. Like you mentioned, you know, the great performance against Arsenal. They were unlucky to not get all three points. Um, then you go to Manchester City and lose 8-0. Uh, and, you know, you, you just don't know what you're going to get. And it, what worries me for Watford ahead of this game is the fact that both of the games where they were impressive and they deserved to get the win, both came at home and both away matches they deserved to get beat recently, uh, Man City and Wolves. So, yeah, they... they they need to be wary going to Tottenham. Um, you know, Tottenham are a wounded animal. We all know what could happen there. Uh, but don't write Watford off. I mean, they rank 11th on the expected goals table, so they're extremely unfortunate to it to be rock bottom. So, you know, it's quite ironic, actually, that Tottenham are ranked 13th and Watford are ranked 11th, but one team's still looking for their first win. Um, the main issue they've had is converting chances. Four goals from 11.6 expected goals, so... They're getting the opportunities, they just need to take them. Um, it would help if, you know, when you get through one-on-one and you've got a, a spare man to your left, that you just square it for an open net tapping rather than trying to beat the goalkeeper like Danny Welbeck did in the last game. Uh, but yeah, that Watford are really, they shouldn't be written off in this game. They have all the tools to be able to hurt Tottenham. And it looks like any team could hurt Tottenham right about now. So, um, like I said, there's no value in 1x2. If anything, you probably would back against Tottenham based on on our probabilities but we're looking both teams to score market um, what I've said about both teams creating a few decent chances and conceding a few decent chances and we're looking at both teams to score no just purely based on the value we're 
we're, we're on the nose 50 50 uh both teams to score and both teams to score no so obviously there's there's more value in backing both teams to score now, which the market has around 47%. And just on Tottenham, I guess, people will, I mean, go back to prior to this year, and there was, I think there were stats going around of like Premier League table over the last three years, and Tottenham were top. They'd, they've obviously come into elite teams in Manchester City and Liverpool. They were, they were very consistent. And I mean, the fans will say there's like unrest in the dressing room, whatever it is. They've gone through their cycle of players. Can you try and put your finger on what, where they're going wrong with these performances? I don't know. There's a lot being said about the uh, the pressing game of Tottenham and how that's declined over the last few years. And I think that has a huge part to do with it because most of Tottenham's uh, success in, you think, 16, 17 and 17, 18 had, did come off a high press and high turnovers. Uh, we haven't seen that recently. Uh, I, I wrote an article on Infogol.net over the last week talking about um, you know Tottenham and Arsenal and, and how they're both like don't believe the hype at Arsenal and Tottenham's serious troubles is, is what I called it. And it is literally, there's a, a 10 game roll in XG average on there, um, a graphic on there that just it, it simplifies everything that you're saying. The fact that, you know, the, their expected goals for average has just gone through the floor and their expected goals against has just slowly caught up with it. And, you know, we're at a point now where the expected goals against is actually overtaking the expected goals for. So they're actually performing like a bottom half table team. You know whether you believe the sort of stuff that you hear uh, around the dressing room, yeah, you know that that's up to you. But I, I definitely think that players that are still there that are probably going to be leaving it on a free transfer at the end of the season, they're probably no good for the the situation right about now. Um, I think he just needs to go back to his basics. He's, he's messing around with the formation a little bit too much for my liking. You know, he went to Brighton and played a you know a four four two diamond, which hasn't worked all season. And, and guess what? He didn't work against Brighton. Um, so, you know, go back to what you tried and tested. You've got four-two-three-one, which is what you had all your success with at, at Tottenham in the last few years. Uh, I say success with the, with a, you know, the app, what's it called, caveat, because they haven't really won anything. But, um, yeah, it, it just it just feels like he's trying too much. He's tinkering too much. Um, just get strip it back, get back to basics um, and start from there. You know, the other problem he's had is that the players that he's let go, look, the, you know, your walkers, haven't been replaced. Trippier's left. He hasn't been replaced. Um, you know, he's got he's got two. You know, Danny Rose. Uh, he wanted to get rid of him this summer. He's still there. So, you know, there's a lot of problems there, um, and that's added to obviously last last time they played, Hugo Lloris, the number one goalkeeper, got injured. So, there's a lot of problems at Tottenham. It's hard to put your finger on on one thing that is um, the it's the sole thing to blame for that. But over the last two years, it's just yeah, it's it's got really really bad from an XG point of view anyway. We'll have to see if those troubles continue at the weekend. So now we've got Wolves versus Southampton. I think, go back a couple of weeks, most people would have been looking at the table and suggesting that the Wolves from last season had gone missing. We were we mentioned on this podcast a few times how the Europa League could bring some troubles with it and the results after those matches weren't great, but they were putting on some decent performances. And we've now had... Two two nils on the bounce, the most recent of which was an away win against Manchester City, which, looking at the numbers, it was by no means a complete fluke. I think the game should have been a lot closer, maybe just in favour of City, but, I mean, Wolves set up with a game plan and they obviously implemented that well. Um, Despite what the current table says, Wolves do face a difficult opposition this weekend in Southampton. Um, We say time and time again... Southampton have been unlucky. They're probably the most unlucky team this season based on the underlying na- ma- underlying numbers from their matches this season. But 
there is some caveats in those cases with I think it's like game state and the the one-off high quality chances that they've had have, have boosted those numbers but they definitely don't deserve to be hovering around the relegation zone so I'm quite interested to see how this one plays out does the Infogon model think there's any value on offer for betters? Um not in the 1x2 market, no. We're looking elsewhere for value. You know, we've found a decent bit of value in the both teams to score market. Um, you mentioned Wolves. What a turnaround it's been, you know. Everyone's written them off. And like I mentioned a few times on the pod, they're, they're ranked as the fifth best team on XG last season. So to write them off this early is, you know, it would have been extremely poor judgment. They are a really strong side. They've got a, a, a formula that works. They stick to it week in, week out. Um, and they, at the end, they've got their, you know, the just rewards. Two wins has put them four points off the top four. I mean, is it possible that they could be the team that breaks into the top four or top six? Every chance, based on XG last season, they were probably the team that, that would have had the best chance going forward into this season. They put themselves back into position now to do that. Um, you mentioned they have, they do have Europa League to, to keep them occupied as well, which might distract them a little bit, but. Yeah, they, they, they've really turned the corner. The, the process is, is, is now back on um, on track. They're in, increasing their attacking process. Defensive process is slowly declining. Um, you mentioned the 2-0 win over Manchester City. Uh, you know, they, on XG, they were fortunate to get the win, but if you look at it from a, um, a game effects, game state point of view, you know, the, Man City created just two big chances. Wolves did the same. Um, Man City's first big chance was created after Wolves had already taken the lead. Um, and the second one was just after so you know other than that they limited Manchester City to low probability chances which is you know that's all you can really ask for when you're playing against such a, a strong attacking side and that you know Manchester City had averaged they're averaging three over three expected goals per game this season so to hold them to just 1.68 is a really really impressive uh, feat and obviously we know that Adama Traore is pretty quick he managed to get a few goals on the counter attack which um, I'm pretty sure Nuno would have would have highlighted as a major weakness for Manchester City. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. And Wolves deserve a lot of credit for getting the win there. Um, when I think they were around 22 to 1 at kickoff to go get go there and get the win, which is you know, extraordinary price. Um, Southampton, we, we pretty much every week we're banging the Southampton run lucky drum. They, they're still in a lofty position on our XG table. They're seventh. Um, so... It's probably too early to write them off as well. I know they're in a little bit of a sticky spot in the table. They're just above the, the relegation zone. Um, and a defeat here will probably see them drop in. So uh, it still probably is a little bit too early, but there's clearly something missing. Um, like the process is really strong. Whether it is luck or whether it is the, the fact that they just aren't being clinical enough and they haven't got the, the right strikers in place or the right players in place to be able to take advantage, I'm not sure. We should see that even out over the course of the season, but the way it's, it's been going, I mean, even towards the back end of last season, they had the same problem. Uh, like they, they were 11th on our XG table last season and they only just stayed up. So it's clearly something that, that is becoming a bit of a habit. Um, I would almost call them the anti-Burnley. Burnley are the team that are completely over-form XG every season, both in attack and defence. And Southampton seems to be doing the opposite. It seems to be underperforming, scoring fewer than would be expected and, and conceding more than would be expected. Uh, coming into this game, though, they're creating good chances. They're averaging uh, about 1.6 expected goals per game. Wolves are at 1.5 expected goals per game. So uh, we're, look, we're liking the both teams to score better in this one. We're 59% chance and the books are about 53%. So 
Yeah, we're liking the both teams to score an entertaining game, but probably uh, with the way Wolves have been going, it'd probably be a home win. Yeah, I completely agree with you on the the anti Burnley comment. I'd be interested to know that it's easy to say eight games in, oh, Southampton have been lucky, but you're right there. And if you look back to last season and, and the further back you go, the the clearer it is that Southampton, this this theme seems to be emerging as it does with, with Burnley. So is there is there a point where you you look beyond those numbers and you begin to say, well, this team specifically, uh, they're doing something different. They're doing something wrong that just isn't agreeing with the model. Um, yes, I think I think the way you would have to look at it is, um, obviously, you've got the raw XG numbers. Uh, to, if you're looking deeper, you're going to have to look at set pieces because, obviously, you've got people like James Ward-Prowse who, who puts in a great delivery. And it's highly likely that quite a lot of their, quite a high percentage of their XG comes from set pieces. Um, and obviously, sometimes they work for you in a game, sometimes, but more often than not, they don't. Um, so there's different aspects to look into when you're looking at um, teams that are underperforming in attack. Uh, obviously, quite a lot of their XG this season has come from goalkeeping errors as well. So you think of the, the Adrian one at, um, against Liverpool, where he basically just kicked it at Danny Ings from three or four yards out, and then the Loris one. So that, that's, you know, that's, nearly, that's over one XG just on those two chances. So there's a lot of different things to think about um, and actually isolating their open play XG is, is where you'd probably have to go to see what what they're actually doing uh, well and, and badly. But from just from looking at the, you know, the, the, obviously if you go on to infoball.net, you can see the shot maps looking at the, the quite a lot of big chances that they've they've missed this season. Um, and like I said, over the course of the season, it should even out. But, you know, we're getting to a point now where they are hovering just above the... Um, relegation zone that it, they could well pull the trigger on Ralph Harsin Hootle. You never know. You know these um, owners, as soon as they look like they're going to get in a bit of trouble, they panic. Um, and all I would say is that in this case, just give him a little bit more time because what he's doing is, is on the face of it anyway, it looks like things are going really well. The process is strong and it is just a matter of time before things start turning around. But he's another manager that I think tinkers way too much with his team. Um, you know, they, they go and put on good performances against the likes of Liverpool. Um, they were good, pretty good against Manchester United. And then he goes and switches things around, formations, players. So teams never settle, which probably has uh, something to do with, with the, the negative results they've been getting also. Right, so we'll move on to Crystal Palace versus Manchester City. And Palace are obviously flying at the moment. I, I posted an image on my Twitter the other day that was a table stretching back to fixtures from March this year. And it was... The intention was to kind of look more into the struggles of Manchester United, but I was surprised to see Palace were actually sitting in third spot in that table. I think it was 15 or 16 games. Um, they're obviously now sixth after eight games this season. Looking more into the numbers, you have to say they're quite fortunate to be in that position. Man City, they're already trying to make up an eight-point gap on Liverpool, and despite the second loss of the season against Wolves... I, I don't think Pep Guardiola is going to be panicking just yet. I mean, the performances have been decent. You mentioned there about the Wolves game. It was They were on an average of 3xG per match, and that was probably their worst performance of the season. But Palace were one of the teams that beat Man City last season. They've been given just an 8% chance of repeating the feat this time around. I'm, I'm going to guess the info goal is favouring Man City here, but can betters maybe look to the goals market for some value? Yeah, for sure. Um Man City look a little bit short here for for info goals like in around seventy seven percent on the market, info goals around sixty seven percent. So we aren't rating them as highly in this game. Um, I think most of that is to do with Palace. We you know 
towards the back end of last season, Palace were rated as around the tenth or or ninth best team in the league on expected goals. So they're you know they're 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 a team under Roy Hodgson that are churning out good results and good performances, creating good chances on a regular basis. So um, along with obviously home advantage, which they've started to take advantage of this season. Obviously, we know that they had their struggles at home last season, uh, but so far this season, I think I think they're unbeaten at home with uh, was it two wins, two draws, uh, draw against Wolves and Everton, <clears throat> two pretty good teams. Obviously, Everton pushed Manchester City close. Wolves went and beat Manchester City. So, um, you know, they, they, they've got a, a good home record. They're turning that into a little bit of a fortress now, Selhurst Park, which is which can only be a good thing. And um, yeah, like I said, their underlying performances probably adds them flying a little bit too high in sixth position. But what we've seen so far, you know, we've been pretty impressed with Palace, especially recently. You know, even if you stretch it back to the Tottenham game where they lost 4-0, they weren't bad in that game. You know, Tottenham were just extremely clinical. Uh, but they're conceding few chances uh, per this season and, and creating plenty. Wilfred Zahar looks like he's back on form. Uh, he, yeah, he was awesome against West Ham in the last game. Um, which I'm pretty sure you will have appreciated, Ben. Uh, but they, they'll always pose a threat. Uh, counter-attacking-wise, they, they're exceptional. And, you know, like you said, they, they, they beat one of the teams that beat Manchester City last season. So I'd never say never. Um, and obviously, with how Manchester City are defending, they'll, they'll definitely get chances in this game. Uh, which brings me on to Manchester City, because, you know, I've got another, you know, staggering stat for you, which doesn't bode well for Pep Guardiola. Uh, based on big chances conceded this season, so Infogol defines a big chance as, uh, as, a, as a chance, a scoring opportunity that's got a greater than a 35% chance of being scored. So based on the big chances conceded, Manchester City have been the third worst defence in the league. So they've allowed 14 big chances in eight matches, which is, you know, that is exceptionally poor um, by their very high standards. And it shows just how 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 much the the you know the release of company, the injuries to Stones and Laporte um, and ultimately Fernandinho playing at centre-half, how much it's affected them so far this season. Um, I mean, you, you can flip that and say that they created 24 big chances, which is, you know, I think that's like 10 clear of, of, of next best. So, continue to be really strong in attack, but defensively, they do look gettable. And I think Palace are a team that could cause them some serious problems. So, that's why we're looking at the at both teams to score market. We're around a 57% chance. The market's around 55, 56. So, there's a small amount of value there, but I think that's the play in this one. It's, it's to back both teams to score. Well, I said Pep Guardiola won't be panicking, but maybe on hearing that, so I'll have to take that comment back. Right, Manchester United versus Liverpool, and obviously no surprise to see this one being billed as the, the big match of the weekend. It's It's got a completely different feel now to it would a few years ago. I just talked about that table stretching back 16 or 17 games from March, I think. Some stat I read online that Liverpool have actually got as many wins as Manchester United have points in that period. So, despite some of these stats that really paint Manchester United in poor light, the the underlying numbers do suggest that they've been pretty unfortunate this season. Now, we said before that there is an unsustainable amount of penalties in there that might inflate those numbers. And saying, oh, they've been unlucky isn't going to make Manchester United fans feel any better or, or get the media or folly gone or Solskjaer's back. So... They really need to start winning games and, and pretty soon. Obviously, on the complete opposite side of that, you've got Liverpool are in dreamland. It's 17 wins on the spin, a perfect start to the season and eight points in hand over their nearest rivals. 
They've also got their number one coming back, which is another big boost for them. I mean, Adrian's done done pretty well, but once you throw Allison in the mix, they're only going to get better. Everyone's expecting a Liverpool win here. I think Pinnacle's given them 55% chance. Does Infogol agree with the general perception in those numbers? Yeah, so we're not as strong on Liverpool um, coming into this game. We've got around a 46% chance of getting the win. Uh, part of that is due to the fact that, like you mentioned, Manchester United on expected goal numbers are performing pretty well so far this season. So, the, the, you know, based on our ratings, which is, is predominantly, um, I think it's about 90%, 95% XG, um, United are coming out pretty well. So um, we're giving them more of a chance of getting something than the bookmakers in this game. Um, and if you're looking at our raw percentages, you would probably see that there is value in, in you know, in, in taking Liverpool on in this game, which, which is understandable. I mean, obviously, we, we you look at the results of United and that they've been really poor. Like really poor. That's why they're struggling so so far down the, in the Premier League table. But if you look at the raw XG, they've they've won the XG battles in seven of their eight matches this season, uh, with their only de- XG defeat coming against Arsenal. So they're, they're a team that are really they do a lot of things right, mainly defensively. Like obviously we, we'll get onto the attack, but defensively they've got the best um, defensive process in the league. They're allowing just 0.92 expected goals against per game. So. They're extremely difficult to break down. Um, obviously, over the last few weeks, they've been without Wan-Bissaka. They've been without Luke Shaw. Lindelof's missed a few games. And if they get those three back for this game, I, I, I do think that Manchester United have the capabilities to limit Liverpool. Maybe not to a clean sheet, but um, to at least a couple, one or two goals. I don't think it'll be absolute um, you know, wipeout like Liverpool did to Arsenal a few we- uh, weeks ago. As you mentioned, in attack, they've had penalties, which has boosted some of their XG numbers. Uh, but if you strip the penalties out, they're averaging 1.15 non-penalty expected goals per game, which, which is really low. It is, it's a bottom-half attacking process uh, combined with a, a top-of-the-table defensive process, which you know, it's still it's still pretty good. Like the, the, it's a process we'd expect of a team that would probably finish sixth in the table. Um, you know, on our XG table, they currently sit uh, quite high in the th- third in the, in the XG table. So that there are some positives. Obviously, if, if Pogba's out, that's a huge blow. Obviously, he is a huge contributor to their um, expected goals, um, both from a, a shot perspective and a non-shot perspective. Um, Martial's another one. If, if he's not fit, you start to think about what sort of attacking options they have available. Does Mason Greenwood finally get a go? I mean, we all saw Rashford um, against for England in Bulgaria and he, he played off the left and he was just unplayable at times. I mean, I know he's playing against Bulgaria, but still that looks like he's, he's a position he's much more comfortable in. So does Greenwood get thrown in down the middle and Rashford out left? Possibly. Um, but yeah, the big worry for me is going forward, whether they have the tools to cause Liverpool serious problems. Um, I know a lot of people point to the, the goals against column. Um, when looking at the table and say, oh, Liverpool have been conceding a few goals. But recently, they've looked a, a, a lot better and a lot um, a lot tighter in defence. Obviously, the game against Leicester was was by far and away their best performance of the season, both in attack and defence, um, allowing just 0.1 expected goals. Their process is, is off the charts. They're slightly, unfortunate, they're slightly fortunate sorry, to be top of the table with eight wins from eight, um, according to expected goals. But... They, you know, they're 2.14 expected goals for and 1.08 against. So they're, you know, they're country miles ahead of Manchester United right now in terms of process. So um, personally, I wouldn't put anyone off back in Liverpool to get the win. Uh, obviously, I, 
like you said, is, is far from the games that we used to see um, in two thousand between probably two thousand and two thousand and fifteen or thirteen or whatever. But when these two were really closely matched, it, it's just not anymore. Um, United are going through a really big transition, but Inforgoal's looking at the the boating to score market. We're pretty much in line with what's available um, in, on both teams to score and overs. But we've, we've, there's a small amount of value in backing over to in backing. Sorry, both teams to score. I know I've, I've mentioned there the fact that United look limited and look short-handed um, in attack. But I think Liverpool will give them a chance. It's either going to go one or two ways. It's either going to be quite a high-scoring game in which Liverpool will take the uh, will get the win, or Man United will shut it down like they did at the back end of last season and they got a nil-nil draw. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be the, the, you know, the former. We're going to see plenty of goals and a lot of attacking play because we need to see that from Manchester United. They've been so dull to watch the last few games. Um, you know, you think about the West Ham game; they're just a little awful um, against Newcastle. They were terrible. We need to see something to give everyone who watches them and especially the fans a little bit of belief that they can turn a corner. And I'm hoping that we're going to see fireworks. So we're going with the both teams to score. There's a 58% chance on our model and the market's around 57. So there's a small amount of value in both teams to score. Uh, but like I said, I won't put anyone off back in Liverpool because based on the pure XG numbers that we've seen this season, they are head and shoulders above Manchester United. Yeah, I think it's all well and good having a, a decent underlying process at the back. But when you're struggling to score and not getting the results, it, fans and media seem to turn quickly on you. Right, last game of the week is Sheffield United versus Arsenal and it's, I've got this down as quite an interesting one to be honest. Sheffield United got another good result with their 0-0 against Watford. As we said, it will go down with one that they're probably a little bit lucky. Um, They've won a lot of admirers this season. They certainly don't look like the team that most people had them nailed on for relegation before the season started. Arsenal, they just about scraped past Bournemouth last time out. They got another three points on the board. I think their results outside the Premier League, uh, I don't think they've conceded a goal in Europa League and, and F- League Cup, sorry, it's 3-0, 5-0, 4-0, some, some convincing wins in there, but they're yet to show anything in the league where they really dominated the opposition and, and looked defensively solid. So Arsenal hovering around 50% to get the win here, but what does Infogol think? Uh, yeah, we, we've got we've got Arsenal around 50% also. Um I honestly don't think this is a very a very good game for Arsenal. I think Chris Wilder is a, a very underrated coach, although he's getting his, his compliments and his plaudits now. I, I think he's got something in store for Arsenal in this game. Um, this is a really difficult Sheffield United team to play against. They they make life really tough for you. We saw Liverpool, who are miles better than Arsenal, you know, have to grind out a win against uh, Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. It was only due to a, a goalkeeping error that they were that they didn't get a point in that game. Obviously, according to expected goals, Liverpool deservedly got the win eventually, but Sheffield United still created good chances in that game. Um, I, yeah, they're, they're such a difficult team. Their formation that they play is awkward. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're overlapping centre-halves, wing-backs tucking in. They're, they're just really, really hard team to keep a handle of. And their underlying numbers has been, have been, you know, they've been pretty good. They're, they're averaging 1.25 expected goals for and 1.46 expected goals again. So that's a sort of process we'd expect from a, a bottom half team, but not a team that would expect to get relegated. So at this moment in time, they're performing like a team that, are, that will comfortably stay up in the, in the Premier League. 
they've been the best of the newly promoted teams so far this season. Um, obviously, we saw Arsenal struggle to get past Aston Villa at the Emirates a few weeks ago. This will be a completely different game. It won't be as open. It's going to be a really hard fight for Arsenal. And it's a good test, actually, to see where Arsenal are at. Obviously, they, for the last few years, things have been banded at them that they've got a soft underbelly. Uh, they, they're not up for the fight. This is a game where they're going to have to be up for the fight if they want to get anything because Sheffield United will not give them any time on the ball. They will not give them anything at all. They'll fight for everything. And, yeah, it's going to be a good test for Arsenal. And like you mentioned, Arsenal... They sit in a lofty third position, but according to expected goals, they've only been the ninth best team um, this season. They're a team that are really overperforming. I mean, I haven't watched a get an Arsenal game and, and been blown away at all this season. Scraped past Bournemouth in the last home game. You know, it was an early headed goal that got them the win. But apart from that, they've, they've been really, really poor. And they're another team, like they sit in third place, but their expected goal difference is negative. That is, it's extraordinary that they're, you know, that they're flying so high. And you know, if they keep playing like they are, it's only a matter of time before sort of a run of bad results hits um, and they start falling down the table. And you know, Unai Emery is under pressure as it is because people are watching them, and you know, they're not impressed with what they're seeing from from Arsenal. Um, and you know, the underlying numbers tell the same story. They're averaging 1.62 expected goals for which. You know, it's, it's okay, um, but defensively they're at 1.72 expected goals again. So they, you know, they're gifting chances to opponents. And you know, although, although they, they managed to limit Bournemouth in the last home game, uh, this, I think this is going to be a really uh, much sterner test than that. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Sheffield United's chances of getting something from this game, and you know, that, that's where we're we're, we're looking um, uh, in terms of this game, in terms of betting. We're, we're looking at opposing Arsenal um, and backing Sheffield United or the draw. Um, in what will probably be a tight and low-scoring game. That was me trying to be impartial, not bashing Arsenal for once, and you've completely undone that, Jake. If it's any consolation, Ben, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, so it really it's not easy to say that I find <laughs> Sheffield United get something. There you go. Right, so that's all the 10 games from Game Week 9 in the Premier League. Certainly some interesting ones in there, and thanks again for your help in analysing them, Jake, and, and sharing the info goal numbers. Anytime, Ben, thank you. And if you want more information on InfoGoal, then head to infogold.net, follow at InfoGoal app on Twitter, and download the app on Apple and Android. Thanks to everyone for listening. You can get involved in the action and visit, visit pinnacle.com for all the latest Premier League odds. Best of luck with your bets, and always remember to please gamble responsibly. 